Welcome to the Dellingpod with me, James Dellingpod. And I'm very excited about this week's guest. Uh, he is back for uh, a second time. His name is Dr. Craig Wright. Craig, two doctorates, right? Working on two more. That's correct. You're, you're a kind of polymath and you're, um, you're the kind of person that I'm definitely not. Because if I had your money, I think I would be on a desert island with my, with my kind of Bond girls cultivating my volcano. But you kind of live the life of the mind, don't you? Uh, well, I prefer that, actually. I mean, um, um, I do the occasional getaway to the island and, uh, like... Um, the volcano island? Well, you no, there's one. no volcano in Antigua. Uh, but I, I get back over there because I'm an Antiguan citizen as well. And, are you? Um, <coughs> Is that for tax reasons? Um, tax, and it's just also a good place to, I mean, set up companies and things like this if you want to be global. Right. Um, a just, lot less red tape. Just to <coughs> remind, just to remind everyone, the, the, the special special friend who hasn't yet heard the previous Craig Wright podcast, um, but Craig made his fortune. Well, I'm the bulk of it, I imagine, from Bitcoin. Uh, fairly much, yes. It's, um, I mean. Um, all goes back to Bitcoin, really. So, uh, and other inventions, which are all to do with Bitcoin, and ninety-nine percent yeah. of it, anyway. Whenever <clears throat> the last time I interviewed you, I got sort of various emails from people saying, um, "You do realise he's not Satoshi." <laughs> this seems to be a kind of a matter of great concern in the in the in the in the world of, of Bitcoin. Well, it goes right back to the early days. So. Um, there was actually another James, James A. Donald, who I had arguments with before Bitcoin was even launched. So um, uh, much less amicable than my conversations with yourself. But um, him and other people like him were much more anarchist. And they would argue that Bitcoin's really about this distributed system that uh, kills government and all this stuff and, and yeah. have this idea that uh, every person needs to run a node and I'm sitting there going, no, it becomes commercial. Eventually it scales so that you get data centers and things like this. And, um, and then I put things in like the alert system and they, they ran around going, Satoshi's centralizing the system and craziness. And um, uh, so they, they don't want my view of my creation so that they hate the fact that uh, my view of my creation is different to what they want. But that's the thing. Bitcoin's not about this everyone is equal thing. I mean, that, that's called communism. Right. And it's not libertarian. Uh, libertarians allow companies. If you read Mises and one of his uh, books on, on liberty, he said that um, anarchists were basically deluded. And there's a big difference between being libertarian and um, having small government and having only sort of non-nanny state features such as a police force and courts yeah. and rules. Yeah. Because capitalism needs rules. I mean, you can have different forms of, of capitalism. You can have the capitalism that came about in the Balkans and places like this uh, in the 90s after the collapse of the Soviet bloc. And that's sort of your, your mafia capitalism. Mm -hmm. And no one really wants to be part of that, not in the real world. No. Um, and that's where you see equality uh, and inequality in, in the real way that matters, not the arguments we have in the West, but where you see the guy with the big gold chains who blocks off a street 
uh, and everyone lets them because they're so afraid. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference. Even if you're rich, if you're Bill Gates or something like that, unless you hand everyone on that street a shitload of money, yeah. then they're not going to let you block off the street. Whereas uh, equality without the rule of law is a different scenario. So that's your, that's your concern, because you're right. I mean, definitely the anarcho-capitalist in me, I don't think he's the dominant part, but there's, there's a definitely a, a bit of him there, um, thinks, yeah, Bitcoin is the great defense against the man. The authoritarian state, you know, the, the the central banks with their money printing. It's a way of actually having a form of of, of currency which is um, cannot be manipulated by central bank bankers for communitarian authoritarian purposes. I mean, is there, is there anything in that argument? Yes. And no at the same time. So you could actually have a Keynesian state based on Bitcoin. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, but the way that Keynes actually wrote in the theory of money and credit and whatever else was that um, a government in the good times could save money yep. and then in the bad times could spend. Uh, and even with Bitcoin, you can do that. You can still have loans. I mean, someone can go out there and, and take money as a loan against Bitcoin. Um, but, for instance, a government where they run surpluses in, in the good times and then when things are bad, they start releasing and, and um, actually uh, speeding up the economy would be a good thing. And, and in his utopian, idealistic dreams, Keynes actually thought that that would be possible. Yeah, he, right. He obviously didn't speak to many real politicians who realized that in the good times you can spend money and in the bad times you can spend money. And then when it's good times again, you can spend even more money. <laughs> yes, that is how it works, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it, though. People don't think, well, it's a good times. So we should be a little more cautious and save money. They, they start thinking, it's a good times. So we should spend more. But just, I, I've said a thought here, uh, which is, are you as nervous as I am about this abolition of cash that seems to be going on? In some ways, yes. Um, I mean, cash isn't anywhere near as anonymous as people think for a start. Uh, it's not been for a long time. But um, uh, if you go around Europe now, it's becoming more and more difficult. I mean, um, Spain, you try and get money out and they, they limit what you can do in a day. And they've made it illegal to pay people more than a certain amount of cash. And uh, it's getting a little bit ridiculous. I mean... Um, there are definite extremes in parts of the world and, and what they're trying to do. But is it, is the, is it not the case that, that we, we ordinary consumers think, this is fantastic, I don't even have to fumble around with, 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 with uh, shrapnel and um, notes in my pocket anymore. I can just touch my card against this and I can get my coffee so easily. And this is great. And uh, yeah, and it can be on credit too. So I don't need to worry about repaying it until I have an extra 20%. So that's, okay. So that's, so that's, that's the, obviously the upside. But the downside is, uh, look at this country, for example. We've got a, a, an alleged conservative government and yet the tax rate is the highest as, as a proportion of... of um, uh, what is it? Um, it's, oh, well, the tax rate is the highest it's been for, I think, 40 years. Mm. Um, That's why they like inflation, because inflation moves the brackets all the time. You've got bracket creep because of it. 
Um, I mean, this is a great thing when you've got an incremental tax system. If you inflate the, the um, economy, every year you get a little bit more back. Yes, well, exactly, which is why we're ne- never going to get that beneficial deflation, mm. which is, I think, what, what um, Austrians would, would probably mm. argue that is, is a good thing. Well, see, the reality in my point of view is what causes deflation in the normal economy is growth. When you think about it, the computer you buy is cheaper year by year. The phone you buy is cheaper year by year. Even if you're paying the same amount, you're mm. getting more. Yes. The, the phone now, I mean, my uh, phone, I've got a Samsung, and I've got a terabyte worth of storage on my phone now. Have you? Which is ridiculous when you think that about is it. Ridi- that, actually, that is ridiculous. And I can see it's, it, it's, sta- it's studded with diamonds and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and rubies. Yeah, I can't see those. I don't know what you've been yeah, smoking. Yeah, I, I, I think. <laughs> and, it, and it's got a kind of laser laser device on it for killing your enemies. Oh, I from, wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So I, I, what I was coming around to is I, uh, governments around the world seem not to have got the memo from people like us that actually government almost invariably makes things work worse when it gets steps beyond the basics of, of, mm. of defense of the realm property rights things like yeah. that um on the contrary we seem to be heading towards a form of well, I, I hate to even use the word qualify the qualifier soft but soft authoritarianism soft soft collectivism or mm. indeed collectivism as bad as any other form of collectivism but wearing the mask of of well, to use use Theresa May's phrase in her in her farewell speech, common purpose. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, um, uh, going back to people like Hayek and Mises, once again, we start to see that um, government will start creeping into everything, and the idea of being progressive, and we need to help these people, whether they want it or not. And yeah. what we're really doing is making a dependent class. I mean, what we need to do is give people dignity. And you don't give people dignity by giving them a doll. You give them something where they can earn money, where they can get out there. Like I read something the other day in Spain where they were complaining that the economy is so bad that people have to go out there and create their own jobs. They're not getting jobs. I'm reading that, I'm going, this is great. They're creating an entrepreneurial class. And, And the government's actually going, we need to stop this. How dare people actually get up and do something themselves and not just take handouts? That is, I, I'm presuming that the Spanish government is, it, it is socialist, isn't it, at the moment? I think. Very much, yeah. Yeah, like the Portuguese. I've just mm. been in Portugal for the weekend for my wife's birthday. And I felt so sorry for these these people having this, well, this is the thing. We, we've, we, we, we go to school. And we, we read about the Nazis, and we read about how terrible they are, and we, and we, read, we, look, at com- we look at the Soviet Union, and we realize that communism doesn't work. And yet, uh, we're members of the European Union for the moment, and the European Union is just another, is just another version of, of the Soviet Union or the, or the Nazi Germany. Or Unfortunately, too many european politicians follow sort of the the golden lie of plato they ignore aristotle they they have this we have different people and classes we don't want them to see that but there's us as the golden classes politicians and we're the the philosophers who know what's best for everyone 
And then you have those other people that you don't want to mix with, like the iron class, because they're just workers. Well, I agree with you. And I'm about to throw a reference at you, which, which you won't get because you don't watch TV, do you? you Not much, no. no. Exactly. In fact, earlier on, while we were having lunch, you, you revealed something quite extraordinary. This is, this is, this is, quite, this is how abstruse uh, Craig is. Um, I said to him, uh, did you watch our big sporting victory at the weekend? And he said, which sporting victory and who won? And he didn't know that England had beaten New Zealand at the cricket. In the well, I do now. You, you do now, exactly. <laughs> um, but there was, a, there was a fascinating documentary on the BBC inside the European Union. And there was a guy, have you heard of Guy Verhofstadt? Guy Verhofstadt is this Belgian, Belgian Eurocrat quite high up in, in, in the European Union. And that attitude that you described was, was very much there. He's in his hobby, in, in his spare time, he likes to, to race, to race saloon cars. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that, that he really did believe that actually the European taxpayer, uh, part of their duty was to fund his, his hobby and his, his Brussels lifestyle in return for doing the square root of fuck all. I mean, really, I, 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 I do not. I well, they ju- do go out and have lunches. They do have. They're very good. I about. mean, it, it, it's really hard work. I mean, then you have to go to the gym afterwards and burn all that extra um, wine off. I was going to say those mule freaks don't eat themselves, do they? <laughs> exactly. But, but I, just as John Bolton once said that you could remove the top ten floors of the United nation's headquarters without making any difference or anything i think that if only you t- the top 10 yeah well no that was my response i if you demolished the european parliament in 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 strasbourg and and brussels i'm not sure that anyone would would suffer i mean apart from the the the, the rent seekers and the you know the, the parasites who actually work there but apart from and, the, and their i suppose their dependents but oh someone would walk past and go why is there rubble there we should build something. Yeah. They, yeah. What would they build? What would, what would be Hopefully useful? not another one. Yeah. Well, well, well exactly. Um, so that kind of brings me onto the, 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 the thing, I, the discussion I had planned, because I'm thinking if you were even richer than you are, if you were kind of, because I, you're not Bill Gates rich, are you? No, not not that I've checked. No, no, no. no. Okay, but you, you say so. You're you're not that level of of stupendous richness where you you see your job as going around changing the world and making it a, a better place, which of course all, all megalomaniacs want to do. They want to make it a better place. But if you were a good megalomaniac like we would be, what is the kind of thing that you would do to arrest the decline of Western civilization, which we see going on around us? I would start people actually learning and having a proper education, a combination of education and training. And they're different. Education is what teaches us about society and how we fit in and all the rest. And that should be traditional values. And by that, I mean things like learning about Plato, not that I agree with much of what he says, right. but Aristotle, and then Thomas Aquinas, and, and the whole history of culture, the whole history of science and how science actually works. Not some of the wacky stuff that started with Clune and others where they started thinking that we could be technocrats and, and control everything. Yeah. But actually where people started building and creating and innovating 
and understanding that science and mathematics works and that they explain the world. Yes, but I was going to stop you there and say this is this has kind of been tried in that you know about the the Australian I think it was um, uh, billionaire who offered some money to any university in Australia that would set up a course in Western civilization, much on on the lines you've just just uh, described there, and none of the woke universities in Australia would would accept this free money because they found the notion of a course celebrating Western civilization so toxic, so inimical to their communitarian uh, multicultural values that they did not want to be tainted by this free money and this free education. And well, Harvard actually removed all of this. Uh, so they stopped teaching it because it was anti um, sort of equality and anti everything else. And Plato, of course, was um, uh, sort of totally against what they believe now. He was sexist and all this other stuff. Although if you actually read sec- uh, Plato, he's probably the opposite of that for his time. He actually has equality between men and women in many areas and uh, part of why they probably killed him teaching weird ideas like that to the youth um, like women actually be able to work um, I mean that goes back 25 2600 years and um, I mean it ended up with him having uh, being forced to commit suicide because of those sort of ideas that changed and opened up the West and yet um, we now say that he didn't go far enough I mean this um, my great friend friend Christopher Booker before he died was writing a book about groupthink and he was tracing the origins of this kind of madness which has beset uh, our culture and, and I don't know about you well you don't read the newspapers but if you did I read newspapers okay, okay. every day one, one reads the newspapers and one sees yet another piece of incredible stupid for, oh, for example I, you know there's so many examples but I think Today I read in the papers or on Twitter, which is the kind of my newspaper these days, um, that the National Theatre is has decided that it wants to um, do the classical plays, but this time make them relevant. Because, of course, they weren't relevant before. But um, what was the point I was, I was, I was trying to make? Um, it's that it's all very well people like you and me saying that um, our civilization is going to the dogs and all we need to do is to establish a few a, a, a few courses where, where children learn proper stuff. But actually we're fighting against the current, which began, I think, yes, I've, I've found my point now. Booker describes the moment where I think it was at Stanford in the 1980s which is when Elon Musk was studying there, and the the students uh, boycotted this 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 uh, this course, saying, "Hey, my my uh, no uh, something 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 Western Civ has got to go." What would it be? Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that actually stems even further back with Nixon and his crazy little bit about. Um, Uh, removing the need for media to be fair and objective. There was actually laws um, in the US that required that 
um, if you were going to report a story, you had to actually give both sides of it. What, Nixon, this was Nixon's idea? Yes. Yeah, and he was supposed to be a Republican? Yeah, they yeah. thought it would actually be better if they could have um, uh, one-sided news that would help the Republicans. They didn't want all this stuff that showed the other side of um, Vietnam and everything. So yeah. unfortunately, it bit them in the ass because um, the reality is it just made sort of partisan news on both sides and no one actually tries to find out the full story anymore. Yeah. So I don't see how your plan to... You, 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 could, you could found, say, 10 universities around, put them strategically around the world and it would be very nice and, and a few people might send their kids together. But still I imagine that employers would be, would be wanting kids who'd gone to Yale, Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge... And who'd been indoctrinated with the kind of messages which it seems to me that the corporate world, for example, actually rather welcomes. I mean, ev- every every corporation in the world now has become basically cucked, hasn't it? It's got well, we don't. I, I hate that, and we have to beat it out of some of them. What you, you <laughs> I mean, your company? Yeah, yeah, but y- you can do that because you're you the boss, and probably you're not beholden to anyone. Actually, let me ask you that. Oh, everyone's beholden to someone. Yeah. Welcome to this modern world. Well, this is interesting. This is a roundabout way of addressing this point, but I'm going to try and get there. My, my brain seems not to be working properly today, but I'm going to try. Um, again, you won't be aware of this because you don't watch much TV, but the BBC has this has this really annoying diversity casting policy where where now it even even in in historical dramas it will cast black actors for the sake of diversity even though it's very unrealistic yes i've I've seen some of that um i was watching because they've got a version of romeo and juliet where it's romeo and um and james or something um oh oh, so, so they're gay so they're gay. Okay. Yes. So, okay. so they're gay, and uh, one guy's a black man, and one guy's an Asian, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, there's a part of me that thinks, well, okay, this is okay because in a free market, people will flee from the BBC and go and go for the slightly less woke Netflix, or rather, they go for those parts of Netflix YouTube, which aren't Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, exactly. But here's the problem: BAFTA. British Academy of Film and Television Awards um, now subscribes to this view that it will not give awards to films, for example, which don't have the same diversity policy as the BBC. So what I mean is that you get this interconnected network of institutions, all of which gradually become SJW converge so that their values make it impossible for even if you wanted to 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 ignore this you couldn't because they would impose their laws on you and in the same way I was going to ask you this is this is my question do you find that with your company you have to do business with companies that say well well what's your diversity policy what's your uh not when it comes to me I think anyone filters uh, any of those sort of people away from talking to me because I think they realise that I'd probably um, tell them where to fuck off. Yeah, you would. Okay. But that's, you see, you're, you're in a luxury position. Most companies do not have that, that problem. Um, I, you know, I've got, I've got friends who, who have their own businesses uh, and, and are very, very high powered. 
And even they have to have all this kind of bullshit in their philosophy and probably printed quite prominently on their on their web pages and stuff about how important diversity is and etc etc i'm very simple i don't give a fuck whether you're black white gay straight whatever else as long as you do the job that i think is is the view that and most entrepreneurs that diverse, that, that's diversity no most entrepreneurs i know share your position and actually when it comes down to it we're in a global market particularly in tech you know you'd be mad if you if you were shutting out say eastern european python program programmers from 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 Cluj-Napoca or or people from the indian subcontinent where there's massive amount of and you wouldn't care whether they were muslim or whether they were hindu or whatever you just want the want the people who can code really well but nevertheless is it say you were the anti bill gates <laughs> which you'd have to be because bill gates is woke isn't he i mean all his courses he devote, he, he he and his and probably the wife's even worse i mean wives normally are aren't they yeah I think wives the, normally, the whole reason he does all that stuff is the wife and yeah. the rest yeah and uh, god knows what mrs bezos is going to turn out the new mrs mm. I know she gets half. Yeah, exactly. And we've got a similar problem coming up with with um, the future Mrs. Mrs. Boris Johnson. I mean, that's going to be worrying because she's she's pretty she's pretty woke. She's pretty 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 green. And mm. so all those voices in the Conservative Party that are going to be saying Boris, we've got to rein in this green horse shit. And you mean case, the watermelons? Yeah, the watermelons. And Boris is going to be, yeah, but I, I, I might not get any sex tonight if I, if, if I you know. <laughs> well, look at him, he probably won't anyway. <laughs> so going back to our original, I, I'm not sure that despite being, you know, sufficiently clever to have made yourself a multi-million pound fortune, I'm not sure you've, you've actually nailed, nailed the problem yet. That how in a woke world where woke is bloody everywhere, how can we, how can individuals... Um, assuming we are kind of Bill Gates rich, how can we save the world? Well, I don't know about we, but what we're doing here, I mean, where Bitcoin goes is what we're creating now is what we call MetaNet. And the idea here is replacing the internet altogether. So we're going to have a commercial system. It's going to be capitalist. It's going to not allow all the trolls and anonymous sock puppets, etc., so it will mean that things like Twitter aren't just um, paid armies of people sending false information, which is yeah. anything from um, companies even. Do you realize 20% of the GCHQ budget is um, sort of fake Twitter accounts and they spend even more in Russia? You're not serious. I am. Actually. How do you know this? Uh, I've had friends in the past who were with them, so... So, just to run that one by again, 20% of the budget of GCHQ is sock pocket puppet accounts on Twitter. Yes. That sounds like a great conspiracy theory, but, it, but I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to take it as conspiracy fact if you... Yeah, it is. And that's not as bad as um, the NSA and some of the others. And this is the West, where it's not even as bad as uh, other countries. So, um, they get more money out of uh, doing all this stuff to change public opinion than they do out of hacking and finding out uh, what's really happening anymore. So, Well, that's very worrying, isn't it? Given, because, okay, changing public opinion, who's deciding what opinion, public opinion should be changed to? Well, this is my problem with some of the things like NSA and um, GCHQ. Mm. They're not really like good old-fashioned human intelligence or anything anymore. 
It's all about trying to align popular opinion with the views of a few bureaucrats. Yeah. And, and they're not even elected. So. The, and so I, I, I'm quite excited by this thing you just told me because um, I like that we sprung it on me because I didn't know about this. So you're going to create a new we already Internet? we already have been um, so it's already starting there are a number of applications uh, like twitch and whatever else that are commercial sort of versions of things like twitter and whatever else where people have started actually um, posting information that's immutable um, can't be altered and costs money so there are only micro payments so uh, fractions of a cent for every time you send something. So for the average person, it doesn't matter. But when you start adding that up for fake accounts, when you're running tens of thousands of oh, fake accounts, okay. suddenly it becomes expensive. So the cost of creating fake news, of doing other things like that, uh, actually skyrockets. Okay, but I'd always thought that fake news... Okay, so there were sites in Macedonia which put out fake news mm. but I, I didn't think that this had the power to make any difference to anything or anyone but look at what people are reading and getting information from now and they're getting it from things like twitter and um, uh, reddit and 4chan and and things like this i trust and 4chan don't you oh yeah, yeah definitely you're, you're being sarcastic though and i'm i'm being I'm slash being, s <laughs> I, I like i like 4chan don't i of course, you've been told to. Oh, what? Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I trust 4chan more than I trust the BBC. Yeah, but that doesn't say much. No, well, I agree. That doesn't. That doesn't. But, it, but it's, a, it's an improvement. It's, it, isn't, it, isn't it sort of... Do you not think that... that I discussed this on my last podcast with, with my brother Dick, um, that there's quite a few of us now who are so sick of the dishonesty of the mainstream media and the way it's been controlled by, taken over by the liberal left, that we've just given up on it. And we now, we now get, our, get our, our, our information from... OK, I, maybe I was exaggerating with 4chan. I've, I've probably only looked at it about twice, but, but I, like, I like the kind of things that these kids do. Um, but I get... I, I mean, I, I trust Paul Joseph Watson and, um, and Sargon of Akkad more than I do... Um, uh, well, anything on the BBC or CNN. Yes, but then again, when you're talking about the BBC these days, I mean, the quality of journalism has really gone down. I mean, yes. if you look at what you used to get in a piece of journalism uh, where people would actually fact-check and and now they take... I mean, even Forbes, they, they have paid articles and they don't put them up there as an advert anymore, which they should. Do they not? I thought that was that was illegal, no. you know, advertorial kind of thing, no. but without the. Um, well, they they don't actually advertise anything. They're just putting up news the way that they want to sell. So it's not an advert. So if you're selling an idea, you're not. You don't need to put it down as an ad, um, advertising thing. It's really about manipulating people and what they see and what they view, and sometimes people even change them. So they put them up there and then remove them later. But, but that's too late. People have read the article and then you go, oh, well, people complained, so we'll change it back to something else that's more acceptable right. for when the um, government reviewers come in and, and step in and we can say, look, we, we acted. But so what? You've already had people read. They're not going to reread and go, ha, ah, they changed it on me. Right, okay. So I can see that 
why blockchain technology would would good at keeping a permanent record. But so this this new it's also about commercialising. Um, if you then actually have people um, sort of attesting and um, having to stand by what they're putting out there and being able to be attributed and you don't allow people to just be sock puppets right part of why bitcoin's about is the nature of removing sybils and sock puppets and if you allow sybils and sock puppets and people can start manipulating things without being known i mean this is why people don't get bitcoin's not anonymous for a reason it's pseudonymous and there's an audit trail it's expensive to follow that audit trail it's economic security that means it gives you privacy by being expensive. So someone like the government can follow that audit trail, but only, and I mean only if it's actually justified, it has to be cost effective. Right. So you're not going to follow every person in Britain. You're going to find the guys who are uh, major drug dealers, um, people smugglers, uh, major money launderers. Right. So you're not going to come after, after me for, for buying a, a bit of uh, pink cush, cush, whatever no, it is. No, I mean, from that's the thing that people don't get. If you're talking about some, some guy buying a little bit of weed at home, that's one thing. But if you're talking about someone who's... Um, Moving shipping containers of um, of people who've uh, signed up uh, to be maids and have now found out that they're actually uh, being sold into prostitution. And yes, that's horrible, that isn't it? I know. I've seen Lilia, Lilia Fever. That, that film is so depressing. Uh, yeah. And this is what gets me. Um, um, I'm all for markets and things, but there needs to be regulation to yeah. an extent because um, if you look at uh, – well, slaves – were markets too, but doesn't make them right. So there's always limits. And and what people don't seem to think about when they're looking at this was the first book that Adam Smith wrote was on moral sentiments. Yes. So he talked about what limits were in the market and interactions. And then he wrote this other book about capitalism. And uh, capitalism works when it's actually a system that we want to be part of, not when we're selling uh, people or we're selling um, things that kill our children or anything like this it works when it's a system that actually everyone wants to be part of that they're proud of well this is what conservatives often criticize libertarians because they say that what's missing is the element of of morality and 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 i suppose to a degree tradition which is why somebody like roger scruton would never call himself a liber- libertarian but that's education i mean that that's one of the key aspects of what it should be. And if you read on liberalism by Mises, you find that he's not anti-government. He yeah. thinks government have a place, but the the free market should also be um, there, but within limits. And there needs to be something where society can actually uh, see what's going on. I mean, it needs to have a level of transparency. And... People like to say, we don't want anyone watching me. Well, you make it too expensive to watch unless there's a problem. And we need transparency. We need to stop anonymity because it's not even you that it's really the issue. Anonymity helps drug dealers, the big ones, the smugglers. It helps corrupt officials, corrupt politicians. And it helps big companies who are corrupt. It helps banks. 
I mean, at the moment, if you look at countries that everyone thinks uh, like, loves to go on holidays to, like Dubai. Yes. One of the big problems there, Dubai is probably the biggest center for smuggling gold in the world. Right. And they're one of the biggest money laundering companies in the world. And um, the reason they get away with this is so many politicians have money stuffed there. Right. And the way that it works is people, uh, after they opened up the foreign purchase of land, uh, why the land goes up so much in this big bubble that they have in Dubai is people buy land using any tainted money Mm. from any source, and then they can take it out legally, and it becomes perfectly laundered. Why? Because we sit there and go, it's Dubai, it's okay. Yes. So are you going to change all that? I mean, mean, is is this, this your plan? I'm hoping to. Um, that's part of why, that's I quite ambitious. Of, uh, that's why I get a lot of hate. Uh, when you start talking about um, creating systems that will uh, make it really difficult for politicians, for large corporations and whatever else to actually get away with corruption, uh, I think you get a big target painted on yourself. Well, well surely. But how, how, how feasible is, is this plan of yours? Well, uh, next 20 years we'll see. But it's quite um, a long time to wait, 20 years. Uh, everything takes time. I right. mean, we're working on it now. It's already starting to roll out. We're already getting people to build. Uh, Bitcoin's been going a decade now. Um, things are all happening and changing. So, People are, people are going to be, look, let's face it, most people's interest in Bitcoin is, how is it going to go up? Is it going to make me loads and loads of money? And I know you disapprove of all that, but let, let, let's speak for the ordinary mortals for a moment. Um Bitcoin is what, around 10,000? Well, that's Bitcoin Core. Bitcoin Core. I I won't really call that Bitcoin. That's a sort of modified version of what I created. And and the one that you've got, the one one that you prefer, is called what? Uh, Bitcoin SV. SV. And you can trade, you can buy Bitcoin SV. Yeah, you can use it too, which is even better. Right. So what's Bitcoin SV at the moment? I wouldn't have a clue. No, but but presumably, like most cryptos, it it's basically moves, it ebbs and flows with with, with the Bitcoin price. Yeah, but that'll actually change in the next few years. Right. Um, what we're starting to do is get transaction volume going through, and we've got people coming in who will be using it. Uh, we've been creating patents and technology around things like EDI uh, and what's EDI? Electronic um, um, data interchange. So things like bills of exchange and other things that allow businesses to interact easier right. and have records that they can't lose, uh, that reduce the chances of things like Enron-type frauds. And over time, um, I mean, under FinCEN rules, et cetera, in the U.S., it's required that um, all public companies and all traders and all brokers and everything like this have immutable records for every trade, for every uh, every sort of transfer that they do. Um, and the senior officials even need to have immutable records of things like their social media postings. So all of those things Bloody. will be able to be stored much cheaper than the current uh, version of what's happening. Right. That's quite scary for those of us who'd like to be able to airbrush out elements from our past. So everything is going to be indelible. Well, if you're talking about some of these things, they already are. Uh, If you're a CEO of a a large American company, then everything you do has to be already kept. 
Um, it doesn't mean it will be public. That's where right. people go wrong. Uh, you can actually have it so that it, it's immutable in there, but um, it could be encrypted so that only certain people have access. So you don't need to give it to the world. And so when this world you describe, this, this, this technology comes, what, what's, what's the, what's the, how do you say it, on stream, no, online? Uh, becomes more widely adopted. Where it becomes more vi- widely adopted. Um, is the world going to be a better place? Well, I'm hoping so. Um, I actually have a, a little bit of a different theory of um, booms and busts and, and economic cycles than many people. Oh, yeah. I actually think it comes down to uh, like a fraud cycle. So what we have is you have new technologies um, are created and introduced and um, then people will defraud the industry and lie and cheat and oversell everything for a while and that creates part of the the bubble cycle the hype mm-hmm. um, all the fake industries and money going into things that don't really exist i mean like tesla <laughs> no comment <laughs> but um if Everyone was actually investing in things that were real technologies and real promise, then um, we would just see continuous growth. But the reality is um, you have a, a new hype cycle and everyone tells people about this new technology and how it's going yeah. to – and they – take money and i mean icos were a big one there um i got angry at a conference a few years ago because a guy was up before me and he was talking about how uh, he managed to raise 50 million dollars and now his first idea was shown to be stupid but now i've got 50 million dollars and i can sit around in my pajamas until i come up with a new idea and my comment was you shouldn't have 50 million dollars you've taken investors money and you haven't returned it the reason we end up with government regulating uh, us into nanny states is because of assholes like that who take other people's money, steal, and then think it's okay. I mean, the reality is what he should have done is everyone who chucked money into that ICO, when he said, no, this isn't a good idea, whatever was left over, he should have returned and given back. Yes. I d- didn't something similar happen with, with Twitter? Wasn't, wasn't Twitter born out of... a? A, a failed idea that then got mutated into something else. They had the uh, it was still a micro blog and things, but they've changed it and, and moved. But but you actually created something. That's the difference. I mean, in in this ICO scam world, uh, people take money and then pivot, but don't even give shares or anything back. It's just don't worry, right. I've got your money. Yes. I mean, at least with Twitter, I mean, they pivoted and did something else and people still made money and you had an investment. It's certainly true that, that, that um, sort of venture capital companies, um, they, might, they might whittle down potential um, uh, investment targets to maybe, maybe 10 companies. And what, maybe one of those will, will end up producing anything worthwhile and the rest are just kind of oh, not even that not no. even not even that no. but is that not the nature of of tech is i mean i mean and, and in a way hasn't hasn't it always been like that you think about the early days of the of, of the motor car that there were there were loads and loads of models which no yeah, longer yeah but there's a today. difference between um having sort of 
people who know what they're doing um, sort of choose a whole lot of potential ideas and going out there and raising money with the promise of something and, and not just small amounts. I mean, venture capital goes through different cycles. You raise like $50,000 and show a proof of concept and then you raise a little bit more and you raise a little bit more and, and you can sit there going, wouldn't it be nice if I had $50 million? But no, it actually wouldn't because if you chuck too much money at people too quickly, uh, it's a recipe for disaster as well. Basically, like this other one, you stop working and you just go, well, it's nice that uh, uh, I have $50 million now. Yeah. I can just sit in my pajamas and when an idea comes up, I mean, so... Is this not is this not a, a function of years of central bank manipulation and artificially low interest rates and money printing, which means that it's very hard for people to just just put money in the bank and 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 live off the interest or whatever. They have to they have to in order to generate returns. They have to take increasingly risky and engage in increasingly risky ventures, which inevitably means that we've got this bubble economics like you've described. Um, in part, and, and as I've been saying, I mean, some of that comes down to frauds. And um, it's not just frauds in like the Ponzi's and whatever else of the past. It's um, also big organisations, even banks and things like that. I mean, the whole nature of uh, what caused the 2007-8 sort of yeah. financial crisis, um, collateralised debt obligations were really... Uh, I mean, they were a scam. Well, this actually, look, I, I think I've, I'm sure I've discussed this on a, on a podcast before, but it does actually leave me slightly gobsmacked, this, that I remember somebody I know a few years ago who who'd, hadn't gone to as good a university as me, probably wasn't as clever as clever with me, talking about this new vehicle that he discovered called, or that his bank was involved in called collateralized debt obligations. And... I was impressed at the time. I thought, well, this is this is the kind of crazy voodoo shit that I don't understand. But but hey, I guess these guys are worth their money. I look at my contemporaries from from Oxford, who went into more lucrative careers than than I did, and I'm really not sure how the, how uh, how the money they made is justified because I don't think they were actually creating value. I think they were just um, conjuring money well, thin air. Well, a lot of this is a zero sum game. When you're creating value, it's not a zero-sum game. A lot of the financial games that we're playing are actually not even uh, – when you take the losses and the tax and everything like that, they're less than a, no, a zero-sum game. Yeah. And moving money around the table to move money around the table isn't creating value. I mean, what banks are meant to do is allocate funds. They're meant to give out loans to businesses and yes. allow people to buy assets that they can pay off over time. They're really a vehicle so that you can take short-term and long-term um, sort of differentials and, and match them. So you can have lots of little tiny investments, uh, but also match those with long-term investments yeah. without, without a loss because none of us can... Uh, when we're starting out, throw a whole lot of money in that we're going to lock away for 20 years. And there are some investments that need to be locked away for a long time. Like when you're buying a house, you don't want to have to go and renegotiate your mortgage every six months unless you're um, one of these silly people who uh, sort of as the uh, the merry-go-round was going, were trying to uh, 
uh, buy more and more property and leverage more and they more. Would have been, they would have done well, though, wouldn't they? My goodness, that was... That was Until the, they didn't. <laughs> but yeah, but that hasn't happened, has it? I mean, the, 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 the big property crunch, people who... who well, some did. I mean, uh, if you look at the uh, state in America around that time, there are a lot of people who just walked away from houses. Okay, there was that period, but I'm thinking in this country. My mm. God, it's been a buyer's market. I, I, I know that the London market's just started to to turn mm. down four percent. I think I suppose, I suppose it's quite a lot. Um, but generally, people who've over leveraged have done really well, and in my view, immorally. Mm. I mean, I, I don't blame them personally for for taking that decision. They were lucky, but I, I think I think it is immoral a a society which allows the haves to take huge risks and be rewarded not because of anything they've really done to deserve it but just because the markets have been rigged in such a way that that asset prices have been inflated by government inter- intervention is that a fair description of what's what's happened yeah the the intervention is the problem yeah this concept that everyone needs to own a house i mean that's actually it's problematic in many ways. Uh, when you start manipulating the market so that people can artificially own houses, then you start inflating the value and you start people owning more than one property because it's going to allow them through leverage to own even more. Um, and they get subsidized because of interest rates, the inflationary yeah. currency, etc. And it actually disadvantages people who save and invest and build in a more traditional way where they're actually creating something. And contrary to what people think, I mean, having a lump of land isn't actually really creating anything. Well, I suppose you disapprove of of what's known as rent-seeking. Yes, I'm not a fan of rent-seeking. I mean, I understand why people do it. They're incentivized to. And everything in economics is really about incentives. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, we have a society that... um, because it's politically sort of uh, motivated to allow people to do some of these things because it gets you votes. We have more and more of this coming out. Earlier on, I asked you whether you, you'd seen, well, first of all, had you seen The Matrix? And you said you had, which I was quite, I was quite yes. surprised by because given how, how to touch you up with so much stuff. Um, and Not I quite said, that out of touch. I said, I said which, which character... Well, I said, would you have been Red Pill? And I thought you probably would. And I said, which character are you? And you said, you're Orpheus. Is, is, is it Morpheus or Orpheus? Uh, Morpheus. But Mor- Morpheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you're the, more actual, of an Orpheus you're the one handing out the red pills. Which, which I like that answer, but it, but it does imply that, that, um, that you have a degree of, of power, which I like. I mean, I like the idea that... that, that, that I consider you one of the good guys because you share my kind of small government um, sort of libertarianish philosophies. But how will we know when you're winning, if you're winning? I mean, this this stuff, you, this alternative internet you're talking about, which are the, strikes me as pie in the sky at the moment. How what signs will we see that that that, that your yeah your technology is coming through? Over time, you'll uh, start to see more and more uh, of these technologies on a single blockchain. Um, and you'll start to find more and more sort of um, uh, fraud cases for a while because uh, there'll probably be more prevalence of these things popping up as people start getting caught before everyone realises how difficult it will become to get away with things. They'll start uh, being caught out. 
and then there'll be new forms of fraud because fraud will move. Um, hopefully it won't be anywhere near as prevalent and we'll start to see people having to actually figure out that they are actually able to be held accountable for their actions. Um, so not just the small guys and whatever else, but right up through corporations, right up through law firms, right up through everything. Right. That's good. At the same time, part of me thinks, you know, when they had, um, when the Swiss banks were forced to reveal who their, their clients were and, and um, what was it in the, the Virgin Islands where there was that, that case where mm -hmm. the, uh, part of me thought, well, actually, no, I, I can't even pretend a part of me did. I thought this is bad news because actually I think that we all have a sacred duty not to give the government any more than we have to. And actually, I, given that, you know, you look at, in a country where Philip Hammond is Chancellor of the Exchequer, do you really want to do anything other than avoid giving tax to the government? It seems to be a, not just a, a sensible thing, but a morally right thing to do, because the government's going to spend it on absolute shit. Um, how do you reconcile that view that government is a big problem with this new world where it's going to be much harder to avoid government oversight? I'd like more transparency. If people can actually see where their money's going, where they yeah. have full transparency on what's being spent, um, the scenario with $5 billion, oh, sorry, trillion dollars being lost by the Pentagon and all this sort of stuff will be more difficult. Um, right now, we have a world where it's easy to fit all the books and, and hide things. And transparency is really what it comes down to. It's the old sunshine principle. It's um, uh, sunshine is the best disinfectant and um, uh, the street light is the best police officer. I mean, that's not a new um, sort of view of, of things. It goes back to an American judge from around 100 years ago. But um, the reality there is where you do have sort of oversight, where you do have transparency, then you have less corruption. People can actually start dealing and trusting. And what what about places like China? Mm -hmm. Is this going to rein them in at all? I think it will change them radically. Um, it won't happen overnight, but once people start getting more access to real information, once they, they start being able to buy and trust and see what's happening, and once they, they see what's happening with their own leaders in a way that they're not now, uh, it's going to stop some of the manipulation. Um, and it will, I mean, God knows, God only knows what uh, a billion people are sort of entering even more strongly into the global economy, uh, understanding their rights as consumers will do, but... I think it's well, going to yeah, be but that's I mean, this is the subject of another podcast I've got. I've got coming up with 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 um, a a special guest who thinks that actually all our problems date back to two thousand and one when China was admitted to WTO, and and that that this this is why we've well, I mean everything um, the the sort of the the. The, the generational gap, for example, the, the generational wealth gap, it's all explained in terms of admitting this nation of what 1.2 billion people with a with wage expectations far lower than than you get in the West, and and bringing them into the Western economy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway, China 
we've seen has done a very very good job of insulating itself against this this um western values against freedom and stuff and and, and to and, a point even that is starting to seep in i mean as much as they try um people go in visit different countries come back with ideas and what no and nine percent of them have got passports i think so and there's still a lot of people but that but they're probably the 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 the, the sort of the nomenclature aren't they the ones mm. who who kind of be relied on not to be corrupted by them but they're probably spying on us rather <laughs> but even then i think it slowly seeps in um, over time, the just the concepts and views and what they see in the world is changing them. Right. So, China is becoming more and more capitalist over time, um, and in a much better way than what you'd have in Russia. So, um, I'm sure there are better ways China could have done it, but they certainly did it much better than the um, kleptocracy that became um, sort of Russia, Russia after the Soviet uh, collapse. Yeah. So, um. Final question for for um, crypto freaks. Um, your your version of Bitcoin. What Tom again? The Bitcoin SV, which uh, is uh, yeah the original version. Of the original, Bitcoin. okay. Yeah. Bitcoin a- a- SV. Um, you don't know what price it is now, but is it is it presumably if it's a key part of this new internet, mm-hmm. it's going to reach the sphat- stratosphere, isn't it, in terms of its price? Uh, it'll go up from what it is now and people will use it more Um, and we're releasing later this month um, upgrades that allow us to get to um, two gigabyte blocks which effectively now we're we're doing around 2,000 transactions per second and that will be even bigger again um, in the February upgrade right so um, we're basically going to be able to handle 10 times the transaction volume of paypal and and approaching uh, visa on a average but not peak day now and um, next year we'll be able to take that up to more than visa type levels um, but it may be a thousandth of a cost of visa and presumably in this new world you're not going to be sensed censored or censured for your politics and the way that companies like MasterCard seem to be doing. I mean, have you noticed this? There these, these woke credit card companies are now actually denying, denying trade, denying money effectively to people they deem politically un- unacceptable. Well, that's the thing people don't understand with Bitcoin. It is actually censorable, but um, it costs a lot of money to do. So if you have a big address the way that people sort of falsely use things now um, rather than having lots of little um, coins then that's actually censorable so the sort of laws of tracing and other such things because it's really a distributed clearinghouse allow courts to step in and, and act the reality though is if you're doing lots of small transactions yeah there's no way to stop it um, because if you consider a court action costing maybe 10 to 20 million pounds um, and being able to run that through and globally stop um, or block uh, transactions, no one's going to do it to stop your $200 transaction. Right. Um, they might do it for your um, large stolen exchange value, sort of um, like the 
Quadriga or CX or uh, even Mt. Gox in the old day type um, scenarios where governments will be able to come in there and force that to be reversed. But um, that's because if you're recovering $100 million worth of funds and it's costing you uh, 10 to $20 million, then it's actually economically viable. On the other hand, if you're talking about blocking someone um, buying something like sensitive materials or whatever else, even for $1,000, then too bad, don't do it. Right. Okay. I, I've suddenly realized a flaw in my argument, which is that actually the, 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 the problem is the interface between um, um, fiat currencies and, 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 and Bitcoin. I mean, in order to be able to buy your cryptos, you first got to have Bitcoin. In order to be able to buy the Bitcoin, you first got to go through that sort of AML procedure and all the, all the kind of checks. Mm. You've got to have a, a conventional bank account. So that's where the man will no, still get not you. not necessarily. Um, with one of the companies we've invested in, uh, Centbee, for instance, in um, South Africa, yeah. they've actually started a whole lot of small purchase sites. So um, I'm not sure what the like, like the equivalent of 7-Elevens and things around, around Africa now allow you to buy vouchers and load that to your phone. And um, it's very simple and easy. So people on low incomes can actually buy and use Bitcoin, not so that they can hoodle or, right. or, or do it, but so that people who are earning money in places like Tanzania can send money back to their relatives in, in South Africa instantly and then exchange it quickly. And we're, we're only talking small amounts. These people are only earning a few dollars a day. So they might be sending $150 at a time. And it, it's actually really good because um, you have in the past um, a lot of female workers who would send money back to their husbands who would go out and drink it, and drink it yeah. as you just said. Um, but now they're able to actually look at what their hubby's doing and send them back just the amount. So uh, he can go to the store and they'll pay remotely <laughs> for the groceries uh, minus his beer and, and do all this sort of stuff. Um, and I'm sure there's a few husbands not happy about this, but that's never the mind. I mean, at least the kids get fed now. Right. That's good. And that is kind of, that's sort of woke in a good way, isn't it? Exactly. So yeah. you start changing how people interact and you need low fees for doing that. If you're going to do this yeah. whole idea of uh, Bitcoin as Bitgold type idea where uh, fees hit 20 plus dollars, then these people can't do that. But when we're talking um, unlimited block size and, and people can send um, sort of dollars or whatever, just single dollars even if they want and only pay a fraction of a cent in fees, then they can start controlling their lives again. And they can actually look at what people are doing and pay not in a block once a month as they get paid, but as they get money, yeah. they, can, they can choose when they send. Well, also, this, this, this would be like my fantasy for journalism because it seems to me, you know, I'm very pissed off, for example, that I don't have the column I deserve on the Sun or the Mail. I and mean, a few years ago, that might almost have been possible, but newspapers are so woke now that they will, even, even conservative ones won't, won't have the likes of me. Um, but I still think there is a massive market for me, and I think the way of rewarding people like me who who sort of who who slip down the crack the cracks of political correctness um, is is micropayments. Surely, I agree, and on a platform that no one can take down. Yeah. Um, so not one where you're going to be censored by 
uh, Google or whatever else because um, people don't agree with you but uh, and the advertisers want to take you down. But uh, rather than having to pander to the advertisements, um, which I don't particularly like the modern ad industry, no. anyway, um, you actually earn by getting people to pay you money. And no matter – I don't really care. I'm not going to – say uh, what's good and bad I mean there are plenty of things where people make money because it's populist and stupid um, that's right. But Pop, that's, uh, I, I, I like stupid I mean stupid's good <laughs> yeah people do a lot of that um, I mean as long as it's but, good but, stupid not, yeah. not Extinction Rebellion stupid which is just, just bad stupid yeah um, but people then earn money by actually doing that and, and you get to see who's really popular because yeah. uh, it's not Sock puppet accounts okay. and Sybils. So how far away is that world? That, that, that golden world that I'm quite it's looking forward to? already starting. So things are being rolled out. Um, as we're scaling, uh, more and more will happen. Uh, we've got things like um, Weather SV, which is an application where people, a peer application around the world where people feed weather information uh, from their phones. And, oh, like, uh, like crowdsourcing yeah. meteorology. Mm-hmm. And um, it's lots of little transactions and it records global weather and uh, it's growing and uh, it's immutable. So um, guys in the UN can't manipulate the results. Yes, like they, <laughs> like they do at NASA and NOAA at the moment. They've, yeah. they've cooked the books. Mm-hmm. So you've got the raw data, whether you like it or not, that's what's recorded. Well, that presupposes that the, the measurement techniques used to record this raw data is... Uh, yeah, but then um, if you're doing peer sourcing and you have outliers, you can isolate them. So if you have, um, say in London, you have 10,000 people recording uh, the weather in the city and one of them has uh, a, records it at 38 and, and the others are all between 34 and, and 34.5, then you just exclude the guy who had 38 as an outlier. So. Right. Can I, by the way, can I just uh, end by apologising to my special listening friend? He's probably thinking, God, there's so many more interesting, intelligent questions I would have asked Craig Wright than, than the ones you asked. And you obviously hadn't a fucking clue. And, <laughs> and, but but the, the, I'm sorry, but the difference is I'm here with Craig and you're not. But Craig, why, why are you my friend anyway? It's weird. I don't know because I'm sure there are lots of people who'd, who'd like to sort of hang out with you. And what, what is it that you like about me? Oh, um, I, <laughs> I put you on the spot there. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not. Uh, you call yourself an arco capitalist. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I mean, right. you're, you're not really um, an arco. You're more um, freedom. Yeah, yeah. And um, I like your sort of crazy um, uh, conservative. Not that it's really conservative type view of uh, uh, small government and and stick it to the um, the man and whatever else type attitude yeah and, um, yeah so that's so how you get we, to be craig's friend <laughs> <laughs> good not well, too radical and not too not radical and whatever else and somewhere in, but willing to actually uh, voice your opinion good well i'm gonna i'm gonna let let craig now go on with his business of creating this this new internet which is going to save us from the man i hope and um i've taken too much of his time already because that's kind of an important task so thank you very much and um, you're welcome yeah thanks Craig. goodbye